I know what you're thinking. This movie is trash. I've been told that many times by many people. It's weak. Your arguments do not quell my love for all things Gene Wilder. Batman is a freaking genius. I was relaying my synopsis of the movie to a friend and they told me I needed to share it with the world. Here I am. Let me retell you the movie with my perspective of it. I'll try to keep it brief. Before I get into my lessons learned, I just want to say that Cheer Up Charlie was the worst song, in my opinion, before I listened to the whole soundtrack a few times. You might not relate because in this digital age, you don't have to buy a whole album anymore, but back in the day when we bought CDs, there was this thing that happened, sometimes, not always, the song you least like the very first time you hear the CD is your favorite song by the time you retire that CD or take it out of rotation in favor of newer CDs. It's a weird phenomenon, at the very least, but Cheer Up Charlie is that song for me. The song I bought the album for? Pure Imagination. Dash. Pure Imagination Lyrics. Ladies and Gentlemen. Boys and Girls. The Chocolate Room. Hold Your Breath. Make a Wish. Count to Three. Come with me and you'll be. In a world of pure imagination. Take a look and you'll see. Into your imagination. We'll begin with a spin. Traveling in the world of my creation. What we'll see will defy. Explanation. If you want to view paradise. Simply look around and view it. Anything you want to, do it. Want to change the world? There's nothing to it. There is no life I know. To compare with pure imagination. Living there, you'll be free. If you truly wish to be. If you want to view paradise. Simply look around and view it. Anything you want to, do it. Want to change the world? There's nothing to it. There is no life I know. To compare with pure imagination. Living there, you'll be free. If you truly wish to be. Dash. This song is the first lesson. It's songs like this song that make me feel empowered. They make me feel like I can make a difference, especially if I'm crazy like Mr. Wonka. I mean, seriously. His entire factory is innovation, basically. The second lesson I gleaned is that entitlement is learned. It's learned by people who have things handed to them and they have no reason to be grateful for what they have. Charlie, on the other hand, has absolutely nothing. He lives in dirt, essentially. That's the same place I started. And he values everything. Everything has great value to him. That is why, when Wonka screams about the theft of fizzy lifting drink, Charlie gives back the everlasting gobstopper. He didn't earn it. It was given to him and he disappointed the man who gave it to him, so he gave it back. It was the only reparation that Charlie could possibly provide to request forgiveness for his mistake. Every child in that movie made a mistake. It seemed like every child died except for Charlie. Each one came across something that was their weakness. Augustus was weak for chocolate. Violet was the chewing gum. Mike TV was fame. Veruca was greed. Charlie was fizzy candy water, probably a great luxury in his home, if he ever got to experience it before the factory visit. There seemed to be a way to undo each tragedy, so perhaps none of the children actually died. As a child, I really liked the idea that all those nasty brats died and the most reasonable kid won. You would have thought by the time two of the kids were toast, the rest of them would have learned to stop touching and tasting and stealing from Mr. Wonka, but no. Those entitled little brats took whatever they wanted. And then they paid for it. 
No, I'm not bitter. It's not hard to see how they each had a weakness. After all, they all ate candy from the Wonka factory before the contest came about, presumably, children are notoriously awful at impulse control. It's like it was a cleverly engineered trap, all along. If it's too good to be true, it's fake. I've got a golden ticket. Was really code for I'm going to be tortured. All because Wonka was paranoid that his competition was out to steal his creations, his innovations. He wanted to protect his investment from falling into evil and corrupt hands. And, of course, Mr. Slugworth even has a name that sounds slimy, so you know he's got to be the bad guy. Except. Wonka is a sociopath and Slugworth is his employee. They're both assholes, ultimately. Charlie's the only good guy in the whole film. Not even Charlie's grandpa is that great. That dude lays in bed all day and then gets up to sing and dance for a golden ticket? Are you kidding me? Never look a gift horse in the mouth. In this case, check all those teeth. Holy cow. The man was never emotional once during the whole movie despite tragedy after tragedy. I understand now that only a highly traumatized individual acts that way. His lack of emotion is due to being too emotionally scarred to do anything but exist like a void. He was so hurt he never grew up completely, which I can sympathize with now. I empathized as a child because I could see that Mr. Wonka was still part child. It figures that the only person with valor in the whole film is a child who is dirt poor. The reason I say this is that Charlie's gullible enough to believe in all that feel-good stuff school teaches you, such as the golden rule, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. He's got nothing but integrity to build for himself, he doesn't have a single toy. All he has is what he learns. And that was a takeaway from this film, even if you live in dirt with nothing to your name, you still have a brain. Subtext, use it. Another lesson is that if you try to make it right, give reparations when you've done something wrong, you may win the game that you didn't know the rules to. The unexpected may occur. You could inherit a wildly successful chocolatier's empire. Wonka's game was to give the factory to someone who wouldn't sell out to greed. Someone who wouldn't harm his creation, his legacy. Someone who would continue the tradition he began and dream new dreams. He had no children of his own so he was undoubtedly a bit of a lonely person. He had no one to bequeath his fortune to. That was the reason he gave out the golden tickets to begin with. He dreamed all his own dreams and it was time to let the next dreamer have a crack at it. It was time to pass it on to the next imaginative mind with some temerity. How would you feel if you were Mr. Wonka and you gave the chocolate factory to Veruca and she simply sold it to Slugworth? Mr. Wonka would have been devastated. That's the whole point to the whole story, the driving factor for the plot that is exposed to us. This factory is his life's work. The biggest message in this movie is consent. Mr. Wonka gave permission thrice inside the factory, once for the room with the chocolate river for the candies that grew like plants, once for the tasty wallpaper, and once with the everlasting gobstoppers. Mr. Wonka did not consent to the children running amok. He protested. He told them to stop, albeit weakly, as if he was powerless or he might want to see the tragic outcome of their disobedience. He never had joy when the children ruined something of his, if he did, that would make him a psychopath, which is how Johnny Depp portrays him. When the children failed to obtain consent and violated his clearly defined boundaries time and again, he failed to empathize with each visitor that gave into their greed. The only person who showed any spark of compassion for Mr. Wonka himself is Charlie. Instead protected his dream, the factory. It's almost like the factory is his child. And it might as well be, 
considering it's an entire world unlike our own, if you think about it. It's his pure imagination.